welcome to episode 258 of the Customer Support Leaders Podcast. I'm Charlotte Ward. Today, welcome Sarah Caminiti to talk about the danger of making assumptions about your customers. I'd like to welcome to the podcast today, Sarah Caminiti. Hello, Sarah. It's lovely to have you join me. I'm so excited to be here. This is my first podcast. So uh, I'm very- First podcast ever, ever. Wow, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'll try and be gentle. I'll try and be gentle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, so do you want to, do you want to introduce yourself and then maybe talk about what we're talking about today? I would love to. Um, I am the vice president of customer success at DN Simple. We are a bootstrapped SaaS that is international. Um, we do DNS, um, and domain management services. Um, it's a heavily engineered developer company. Um, because it's such a technical product uh, that we um, are having our engineers and developers in support with us. We practice all hand support, um, which is fantastic because the customer is able to talk to the right person. Um, but that's given me the opportunity to train developers regularly to be empathetic support professionals. And uh, they do a great job, but it's been a journey to get to like a solid training spot for that. Um, I've been in customer success, customer support, every kind of customer role since I was 15. Um, And once I discovered SaaS, I realized that I could actually make a career out of this and uh, like lean into all the things that I love. And Mm. um, I've been here for almost 10 years and love every second of it. I'm in Providence, Rhode Island, and I've got two little boys, two crazy dogs, and my my wonderful husband who works on the third floor and it's <laughs> it's a it's a nut house but we love it <laughs> that's awesome and uh i the the uh audience listening won't know but one of the dogs is keeping you company in the room there so we'll we'll yes. forgive the odd kind of doggy noise <laughs> yes yes she's laying on the couch right now but uh that could change very soon fingers <laughs> crossed though awesome um so what are we talking about today Today, we are going to talk about something that the DN Simple team will recognize very quickly, um, the dirtiest word in support, and that is assumptions. Um, I have turned assumptions into one of the core pieces of becoming an aware, thoughtful support professional when I'm training because it's such an easy thing to become a victim of when you're talking to customers and uh and it's the worst thing that you could do um and i am so excited to elaborate on it and talk with you about it and our shared experiences for it and i'm just so pumped to be here awesome thank you so much uh, this is a great topic so um so to drill into it a little bit more we're i guess most specifically talking about making assumptions about the things that we don't see in a conversation when a customer comes to us asking for help. So making assumptions about their their context, their configuration, their state of mind, yeah. <laughs> um, all, all sorts of things, right? Um, and and so I guess I guess the first thing from from me is what are, what are the kind of dangers? Like we we go we open a support ticket, 
and everyone's I've done it and I know you've done it because everyone's done it you open a support ticket and we go oh I know what this is and and off you go you've got the answer you're straight in who doesn't love a first contact resolution right and off you go and you you unload whatever the solution is or the link to the knowledge base article and you think job done happy support person right so then they come back and and then they come back (laughs) and they say yeah, what are you talking about? This has nothing to do with anything that I've mentioned to you or even worse. Oh, thanks so much for sharing this with me. I was following the links and then all of a sudden this happened and, Mm. uh, and you took them in a totally bad direction. Um, and it's all because you didn't take a second to pause and, we call it the due diligence that we do for every ticket. I swear that list is growing by the mile, but uh, <laughs> but it's it's figuring out where are all the places that I can look to get more of the story and make sure that I am taking the entire picture into consideration um, before before I jump because a customer doesn't want necessarily, they do want a fast reply, but they don't want a fast reply if that's going to mean three days of back and forths trying to fix whatever it is you, you've had them break or confusion or, I mean, it can open up a whole can of worms. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like due diligence is a really good way of putting it. Um, And we can, we can drive it through values and you can drive it through macros and all sorts of things but there there are some ultimately some basic steps that any good support person really should go through and i think i think we'd recognize them and it puts me in mind of a little bit of a conversation i well actually a series of conversations i had about 3 years ago where i talked to five people in one week about the perfect support email and so often like in those conversations these threads were coming up the first step is you validate that you understand the problem right i think that's just like let's make sure we know what the customer is trying to tell us yeah. um and and we validate it um so in your in your due diligence uh, ecosystem, very long list by the sound of it, um, do, is that number one for you too, or is there more to it? And and if that is number one, what does it look like for our side of things? The due diligence really comes into play with looking into their account and what's going on mm. because uh, this is a very technical product that that we offer and uh, or service that we offer and someone could say one thing and it could mean seven different things depending on what it looks like in in their system so for example the due diligence is do they have an account with us first do are they an authorized user um because it's a very secure um yeah thing that we have to take into consideration. This is the, mm-hmm. the ownership of domains and their businesses and their websites and stuff. So um, we take that very seriously. But is the domain even with us? Because they can have an account with us and be asking questions about a domain. And if we're making an assumption and that domain does not live with us, then we're wasting mm-hmm. our time. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, seeing certain Things are turned on. Have they accessed this? Have they not accessed this? Uh, is there 
domain even online um mm-hmm. or, or is this a, a web host situation so it's it in it looks like a very long list and there's like eight or nine points on it but once you get into the admin panel and you start clicking around then it happens pretty quick once you get the hang of it um but for the replying piece one of the main things that I teach during onboarding but then I mean I'm I mentor all almost 40 employees still on a regular basis. And it's understanding what happened that Mm. made them stop feeling confident in their ability to continue on their own. Mm. Um, And that could be the fourth point that they put in that email. Um, But Mm. you've got to, you've got to address what it was that caused that, that moment of, okay, now I need to, step away and send this email and hope that I get a reply back soon because I'm really trying to finish this, but I don't know and address that first and then start to build out the email to solve Mm -hmm. the problem, connect the dots, anticipate what their next questions are going to be um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and give them that email where they walk away feeling confident but they also walk away knowing that you have allowed them to ask questions safely and you've provided a kindness to them and, uh, and then they feel safe and comfortable to come back. And, Mm -hmm. and that's all you really want in support to have the folks know that they're going to get what they need. They're not going to be made to feel bad about asking questions and, Mm -hmm. and they're going to, get it taken care of. I I think that's a really important point because I think we can try so hard to be comprehensive and Mm -hmm. it feels, it feels empathic to do that, to say, you know, a really, you can get, I mean, I've experienced it as a customer, you get really lovely, well-formed responses back and it begins with, I understand, and this is the problem validation bit. This is what you're talking about. And like, it Mm -hmm. might be the the fourth point on that email, what what caused them to click the email button, right? Um, which mm-hmm. is, I understand you you were you were doing this and you were experiencing this error, or I you know I you validate, you restate, and and ensure that we are all on the same page. Which is going yeah. back to that assumptions piece, right? Let's make sure we begin on the same page. But then you get these really lengthy emails, which are if this then this, and if this then this, and you might want to also try and like. The attempt of some support folk in that situation, I, I can understand the attempt to answer the next question or all 14 possibilities <laughs> in one email. Um, yeah. But it's kind of it's overfacing you as a customer, I think. And it mm-hmm. and it does make you feel like actually, even though what I'm getting is well formed, nicely phrased and mm-hmm. comprehensive. It's like it really feels like they just want to give me everything so they don't ever have to hear from me again. And I think actually that that's what you're saying, that that they feel comfortable coming back. And it's okay if we get too obsessed with first contact resolution. 
you're actually not necessarily pleasing your customers. And like oh. we we've talked about metrics so much on this podcast, but that's a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that's the point, isn't it? That your metrics don't necessarily represent feelings. And, and the first contact resolution, if you obsess with it, and then you you're you're hitting a high number there because you're battering your customers with everything. But ultimately, they're just walking away a, away a bit kind of stunned. Okay, their problem might be solved, but they don't feel like they understand it better or they relate to you as a company any better so it's 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 really interesting like the assumption and i i guess that that kind of loading everything in is trying to avoid those assumptions in some ways so it's it's well, it's a, with good intent right it's it's definitely with good intent and something i've realized through these years of training is I focus more on the content and the development of the replies than really Mm -hmm. anything else. Because if you put yourself into a customer's shoes, just like Mm -hmm. you said, you can give them a 25 point message and, uh, and feel, oh my gosh, I just spent two hours making this like chef's kiss, gorgeous <laughs> reply. We should probably turn it into a canned response because it was so good. And mm-hmm. then the person comes back and you maybe you made an assumption about their technical understanding. Yeah. Uh, and and to them, it may have felt condescending or it may have felt uh, like you went way over their head and didn't consider them at all. I mean, it can go either way. Mm. And uh, and part of the due diligence is we have the luxury of being able to see sometimes where folks are coming from and where some of these customers come from tells the story of of who they are for, for, you know, a vast majority, we're not always right, but Mm -hmm. about a good chunk of them, you can identify technical skill sets based on a few, few factors outside of those emails. So if Mm -hmm. you see they're coming from this one place, okay, I'm going to not give them a lot. I'm Mm -hmm. going to take this step by step. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here is, this is where you're stuck right now, but you're stuck because you didn't click on this. So how about you click on it and then get back to me. Let me know how it went, how you're feeling. And then we can start talking about what the next step is and, Mm. and give them that personal experience. Because one of the things that drives me nuts about making assumptions um, is it comes across as you're lazy and you don't value Mm. the person that you are helping or you you don't value the person you're connecting with because you don't take the time. They're not valuable enough of your time. Or I feel like that's a terrible sentence, but, or yeah, I'm not I get it. Wrong. I get it. It's <laughs> uh, but uh, to, to warrant you spending time with them and holding their mm-hmm. hand and making sure yeah. that they do it right. And what a crappy feeling to yeah, yeah. to be a customer and and too many places because of the way that the company is set up of you have to bang these out so fast and you have to get through this many things and they're mm-hmm. understaffed and overstressed and it's not the agent's fault uh it's the culture but that's kind of the state of things and mm. on, like our our service I'm so proud of this customer support is the number one reason 
why our customers stay with us and mm. why they recommend us to their friends. And we mm. are a premium priced service and they want to pay that premium because they are going to get help when they need it. And mm. they are going to get everything solved in the way that it needs to happen. And uh, I'm just so proud of my team for for understanding the importance of valuing their time and valuing the customer um, and how that all comes across by not making assumptions. Mm, yeah, I I, th- I I completely get it. I think the the thing that uh, you know assumptions make you feel make you do as a support engineer, and then I'll get on to make you feel as a customer in a second. It's everything you just said. They make you div- they make you almost robotic. I, I think you, you, because you you think that I've, I've covered steps one through five in my head. I know what I need to do. So I'm going to supply, even if you've typed it out yourself, this kind of notion of a, a canned response is great, right? Even if it was two hours work, mm-hmm. like it, it's so comprehensive. I've covered everything. Boom. There we go. Job done. Um, the it can become a habit and that can be what you start to do with every email. And then basically you're just writing knowledge base articles, frankly. And, uh, and as a customer, um, I feel unheard. I feel, as you said, undervalued. Um, and it, it starts to feel very much like sort of a one size fits all support. And then it just completely depersonalizes it, doesn't it? It's like off the rack support. Yeah. And we live in a world where there's so many incredible products out there. There's so many incredible companies, but a lot mm. of them do very similar things and yeah. is such an opportunity to lean into the value that support brings and provide them with the resources they need to be successful and feel safe and comfortable to do the job well. Um because the customer feels it and Mm. they stay and they tell their friends about it. And the next time they hear someone complaining about a competitor who just kept sending these canned replies, which I hate canned replies because you make an assumption when you send it, it's not customized. Um, And, uh, and they never really feel satisfied at the end. Then, then that person is going to say, Hey, you know what? I've got this great place you should check out because that's never happened to me. And uh, I don't think it would happen to you too. And now you've mm. got a new customer because of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There, There is some, and there is more, I think, um, which we should dig into a little, which, which is kind of the deeper consequences of making assumptions though, which is that can also, it can not just lead to, you know, dissatisfied customers, unhappy customers, customers who are churning. I I think actually, particularly for a technical product, probably more so for a very technical product, and I'm in this space as well, it's quite dangerous, isn't it? I mean, it can be like you can go off and you can send your customers off down paths which are completely wrong like there's the good the good side of it is that comprehensive response where you you definitely have got the answer for the customer but you're making them feel a bit undervalued um but there's the other side which is i've made some assumptions and i'm so confident in my knowledge about this situation that i'm going to send this solution but actually breaks things things further yep yeah and now we're in a totally different situation or another 
another way to do that easily is when you have such incredibly skilled people in their area of expertise and you make an assumption about who the who this person this customer falls into the bucket for and mm-hmm. so the person with the expertise is answering it because that is their area and then nope should have gone the other way and it's because <laughs> you didn't check these things and they yeah. they they and it's not anyone's well i mean there is the assumption part of it but people are trying their best and mm. mistakes happen but if you do the due diligence if you spend that extra 30 seconds before you you answer those cases or you spend 2 minutes trying it out on your end and verifying that what yeah. they are saying matches what you see on your end uh it's it'll change the game and you'll be able to avoid those situations because you're right. Technical stuff gets messy fast. It and, really does. Yeah. And and, th- and then you end up with, you know, you end up with much unhappier customers and yeah. uh, significantly unhappier support engineers and, and leadership on both sides too. And um, I mean, that's just messy to unpick, isn't it? And it's a huge sure cost to both businesses as well. I think we often forget that we end up in these kind of, spaghetti technical situations you have to unpick them very slowly both politically and functionally and technically and and that's really expensive it's really expensive a lot of people involved it's a lot of layers and uh can take some serious time and Mm. and usually those are the customers too that rightfully so are the loudest and they let people know and those sorts of things are hard to overcome. A bad mm. support experience of I forgot my password and it turns out that that email address wasn't the one that they used for the login. Someone mm. will get over that. Someone reading a review will will not spend too much time. But a developer looking for a very specific product that will do exactly what they need and have the support that they need reading a review about how that thing failed miserably because of xyz they're not coming to us and yeah, yeah. and it's it's all because of, of of that situation it just snowballs yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um well I guess I guess we we sort of touched on this right at the start, which is kind of how you avoid it, and you avoid it with with checklists, and you avoid it with you know like that cultural expectation as well as written expectation that we're gonna we're gonna go through the hoops necessary to make sure that we're making as few assumptions. I mean, nobody's perfect. You're not going to get it down to zero, but as few assumptions no. as possible. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and have the documentation to support it. I am. A little obsessive about documentation on the internal mm-hmm. side because if you're not documenting the edge cases, then those edge cases, the next time they pop up, you're in the dark all over again and you don't have to be. Mm-hmm. So we have a rule. Anytime you ask a question in Slack, if a document is not given to you as, no, the exact answer is right here. You must have missed it when you were looking for it. And then that's another thing of why couldn't they find it in the first place. Sure. But uh, but then you make a document or you expand on another one that's relevant and, and you put what you learn into the hands of everyone 
Um, we don't ask questions mm. in DMs anymore because too much opportunity for lost information lives there and mm. and for conversation and for brainstorming and for perspectives and extra context. All of that happens when you have just an open dialogue with with all of the different folks that uh, that could provide valuable information, and then you you move that to documentation. So those opportunities for assumptions, if you're doing what you need to do and and utilizing the internal wiki, um, are pretty hard to find because mm, they yeah. walks you through it. The whole process yeah. is right there. I I I I'm obsessive about documentation too, uh, and. I actually think that <laughs> I actually think that um, most support people are because we're used to writing so much. And and if they aren't, it's probably not that they can't or don't want or it's not probably not because they don't want to. But I bet there's like time constraints and things that are stopping them doing it, you know, mm -hmm. and resources. Exactly. I love what you just said, because I'm also fanatical about this. Don't ask questions in DMs. Like there is no reason to exchange technical information in a DM. It should be out there for everyone. So I can and I, I've written it down. It was so important when you said that we don't ask questions in DMs. It's a lost opportunity to learn and share. I love that. Um, and uh, yeah, capturing all of that just just greases the wheels for everyone doesn't it and and that knowledge whether it's generic technical knowledge for your product or a lot of this contextual information that is about particular customers mm -hmm. um you know either surfacing that in product screens or in in salesforce on the back end or, or whatever like get get stuff written down and into the hands of people it it, exactly. it just gets around so many of these problems well yeah it's and there's so there's just too much valuable information in every single support interaction that you have mm -hmm. um and too often it's underutilized and so if if we can make it as just part of the day-to-day -day as possible um, to identify these things and these struggles that a customer brings up because of a new feature that somebody didn't think about. Uh, I mean, all of these things make such an impact and and really put the customer first. And that's, I mean, that's who you're making the product for anyway. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Sarah. This has been a super interesting yeah. conversation. Thank you yes. so much. First podcast done and dusted. Was it painful? We did it. This was fantastic. I'm uh do you I, I should have like another one lined up. I should be like one of those celebrities when they're on their movie press days where you just go from room to room. I'm I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. <laughs> fired up. Well, come back and do another one with me, won't you? Can't wait. I'd love it. Good. Thank you for having awesome. me. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. That's it for today. Go to customersupportleaders.com forward slash 258 for the show notes and I'll see you next time.